Hi everyone, welcome to My Mission is Podcast. I'm Karina Givargizov, the founder of Mission Magazine, the first fashion philanthropic interactive media brand. For fashion, for beauty, for good is our tagline. Two exciting things have happened recently. We launched our United Nations issue, which is about to come out in print around the world, and I finally got to do the next upcoming podcast. This next episode is someone who we featured back in issue two, which theme was environment. It was accompanied by a photo series with renowned photographer Salva Sunsbo. Daniel Lismore is known as a living art sculpture. He has gone from model to photographer to creative consultant to being listed as one of England's most eccentric dressers. He's been named in the Guardian newspapers on the top 100 pride power list. He has a book published on him with Rizzoli, an exhibition at the Victoria and Albert Museum in London. He's a longtime activist campaigner for recycling clothes and the environment. All of this is just scratching the surface of his many more achievements. I talked to him about all of this and much more. Please tune in and listen to my next guest, Daniel Lismore. Looking at your press, looking at your videos, and it's so, I can't believe we've not met in person after all this time, Daniel. I know. Just for our audience that are listening, you know, you came to London age 17 as a model, um, started studying photography, um, became a creative director of a fashion brand. Um, you've worked with incredible people. You've opened up Naomi Campbell's Fashion for Relief Runway. Um, you were the Guardian's Pride Power List three years, 28, was it 2018, 2021, and, and this year? Um, you've worked with Greenpeace. You collaborate with Vivian Westwood. You've done a book with Rizzoli. I saw you, do you know what I saw you as well? Um, it, it, was on um, the Queen's um, Jubilee, wasn't it? In Buckingham Palace, they did a runway yeah. show. And I was sitting watching that at home and you come down the catwalk and it's like, and you've had an exhibition at the Victorian Albert Museum. It's it's just skyrocketing. It's incredible. Thank you. Um, I do my best. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have to have a vision. I've always had a vision um, mm. of what I wanted to do. and. I've had so many people come in the way of that, but I've tried not to let them. Um, I could in have what done way? More. What do you mean, in I, what way? I could have done a lot more if people hadn't have disrupted my life. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I think that goes for all of us. You know, people give us doubt, people mm. do things to us. And, and I, I think I've been, I've been, actually I've been going through therapy. Mm. Um, and it's been quite interesting to figure out where all the, where things went wrong mm. um but i would have liked to have done a lot more to be honest and um and and people are cruel so <laughs> but you still can you're you're only you're not you're really young can. you still can and it's the list of what i've just said out loud um i'm sure there's many things like you know your exhibition in coventry you have six thousand pieces art pieces made that's an enormous enormous achievement considering you think that you know you're saying that you wanted to do a lot more i mean um obviously you you push yourself and you're very ambitious and and creative as well and can you know from what you were saying of people just getting in the way and being mean and hateful um i would imagine and hope that they're, they're quite annoyed and pissed off because you've done a lot <laughs> yeah i've i've met a few along the way and um <clears throat> you know i i feel bad for people like that i feel sorry for anyone that 
has those feelings towards other people. I think people should mind their own business. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, it's just jealousy, isn't it? And it's it's um, you never know what's going on in other people's life, but to be mean and hurtful to others, I think is is unacceptable, quite honestly. But um, yeah, there's no excuse for it, really. No, there isn't. There isn't. But anyone looking just not knowing that that bit of information you've just shared um, would look at you and think you have a very successful career um, and adored by many um, and, and have, oh, I've left off the fact as well, you designed costumes for the English National Opera. These aren't, this, this, these aren't normal things that people get to do in their lifetime. And this is, I just feel you're just warming up, Daniel. You know, when we first talked and met was, uh, Gosh, a, a while ago, the Silver Suns both shoots, and you've done so much since then. Um, what what else is you know? You feel like you said you've not done got done things you've wanted to do potentially. What else is on the list to do? I can't even imagine what there would be. Well, <clears throat> you know, I if you're allowed to say, <laughs> no, I can talk about it. Um, so I'm I'm hope I'm working with the Edition Hotel on a Christmas tree this year, um, which is I've always wanted to do a Christmas tree, so um, that's happening. But it's not going to be your average Christmas tree. It's going to have of course a it's not. Um, message to it, which about overconsumption. So um, I interviewed Bill Diamond from SETI for your oh, magazine. That's magazine. right. That's so right. I'm hoping that I can go and work with them and. I can go and, uh, you know, work with SETI, work, looking for aliens and also being one of the artists in residence. For me, that is a dream. The other one is to go into space. <laughs> yes. So, um, <clears throat> and then the other ones are kind of more politically, mm. I want to help save the planet. Mm. I, I know space is a contradiction, but I don't know. There's... Uh, who knows um but i was at a ted talks conference yesterday in london um ted countdown and i met all these youtubers and these people are like running everything they're, yes. they're quite amazing and they gave me a lot of hope actually um so I, I personally my my main goals and ambitions are to try and help make the world a better place for everybody mm. just for some you know so I think that's something that um, possibly people might not know about you is that is, is that you've got, you know, you are art and you have these incredible creations um, which take an awful lot of your time. Uh, but on the other side, equally, you're passionate about really important causes and, and climate and the environment and the planet are one of them. Um, how did you initially get involved with, with this? Well, it kind of, so I met a doctor in Soho on a, <laughs> a gay um, website back then. And he had been in Kenya for over 27 years, I think. Mm. And I thought it was a date and then it wasn't. And then I ended up saying, I ended up talking all about me and I never really listened to what he was like. He didn't say really much about himself. And he said, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I want to, this was a long time ago. I was probably 18. Mm -hmm. um, I was modeling at the time. And I said, I wanted to go to Africa to work with the charity. And he said, oh, funny enough, I've been there for 27 years. You should come out with me. And I went there and 
I stayed for a while and I, I saw, um, I didn't realize the world was so big mm. <laughs> and I didn't realize everything in the Western world was all fabricated for us and like, like a really weird place. Mm. Um, so I learned so much when I was there. I learned a lot from the Maasai and the Samburu warriors that I was with. Um, we traveled a lot. And, and then I remember looking out the plane window going, like leaving, I got quite ill. So I had to come back home mm. and I was looking at the fires and I was like, I feel like I've le- left my heart there. Mm. And also, um, I feel like I need to come back or I need to go and do something now. And that was, it was just like this calling of my, in my mind, like, like this is what I have to do. And then the whole art stuff and the fashion stuff happened. And, and I started to figure out that when I walked into a room, I could meet really influential people like world leaders and scientists and um, all kinds of people. And I made friends with these people. And, I, and, and then I started to become more of an activist. Um, I learned a lot from Vivian Westwood and I worked with her on lots of her climate revolution campaigns at the beginning. Um, and so things kind of worked up. Like I, I realized that I was in such a prominent, amazing mm-hmm which not many people would be able to be in for, for certain reasons, you know, like there's, um, obviously I was also, um, a complete outcast and, you know, I, I always felt this kind of idea of not meant to be going to these places, but I was invited. So I got to know lots, lots of people through nightlife in London. And I then started to realize that I could actually try and make a change and I and then I started to make a change so I've worked on everything from fracking to freedom of speech with um Julian Assange to mm. um uh we we tried to stop fracking in the UK which we managed to do via Joe Corroy um we stopped fracking in Balcom which was amazing I've worked with Cool Earth Greenpeace I just dropped a huge boulder into the um ocean off the um the coast of Cornwall to stop the trawlers bottom trawling um so the uk government said that they um would protect marine protected areas and they actually haven't Mm. that was one of their brexit promises so you know they haven't done anything um so i i felt over the years that i could use um myself as a living sculpture to kind of draw like a mac you know Mm -hmm. effect um to draw these people to me to have a conversation with them and actually speak to them as a human being, because that I, <clears throat> I was explaining yesterday at this TED conference to some young activists. Um, there are many ways of being an activist and I'm very privileged and I know I am. So I use that. Um, I'm in the room with the people that most people want to speak to. I'm in Saint Tropez with the billionaires, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in this place with this person and I've managed to find myself in all these spots and, Sometimes for me, um, my, my activism is a bit stealth. I don't do everything online. I don't go out. I do do things online. I do go out screaming on the streets with placards. I do do that, but, um, I do things in other ways, which, um, are often more effective. And, and I know I'm very privileged to be able to be in that position, but you know, um, I don't know if I can talk about it yet, but I don't care. Um, the Qatar <laughs> situation with LGBT oh, yeah. people. Um, mm-hmm. My friend is the head of FIFA there. So I had a really great conversation about him and I kind of 
you know, um, told him what's what, and and mm-hmm. they've come up with this decision. They're not going to arrest anyone during that period, and and some people say that might not be enough, but actually, it's quite a lot for the people in Qatar. So, um, you know, it, just things like that. Also, um, I helped get lots of uh, Afghan LGBT people out of Afghanistan, and I went to the government. And the government um, made a shambles of it. So I had to go to the newspapers. So, um, and then they eventually gave another charity um, a way to get them out. So being in my position is, I'm, I'm so fortunate. And I'm always thinking like, how can I solve this problem? Mm-hmm. How can I, you know, how can I talk to this um, person in power? How can I, and and how can I become friends with them? Like, I don't want to be friends with everyone, but sometimes like people are people, humans are humans. Some yes. people are really horrible. <laughs> Trust me, like some of these people are terrible people, but I have to look past that for a moment to be, understand how to, so you can't go into a war completely, you know, senseless with no, mm-hmm. you can't see or hear anything or whatever. You, you, if you go into that war, you're just going to get blown up, right? That's Yes. So you have to understand what the enemy is. And for me, I have to be in the room with them and I have to talk to them and I have to understand them. And and I find a lot of people won't do that. And I understand why, because it's a lot of trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I guess I'm good at speaking to them and, and, and kind of understanding. And then that's really where I get the power from. Because you're having a conversation that's not judgmental and you're trying to see it from their point of view and get into their head and understand their actions and their words. It's very much like that, um, that saying, that really famous saying, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. There you go. There you go. I mean, uh, the the main word that you said there is trying. I try. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just, I can't sometimes. Um, Sometimes I actually can. I'm like, okay, I see where they're coming from. but. you know, I do my best with that and, and, and make the most of it. But I think it's really, it's really interesting listening to you explain all of this and understand, you know, you go into a room dressed as art and you command this presence. Um, and you have these people coming to you and talking to you and, and I'm sure wanting to be your friend also. Yeah. But I think it's re- remarkable that you're using that and the power of, the, you know, you in meeting these business people, these scientists and thinking, OK, let's have a conversation. This is what I'm passionate about. How can we try and move the conversation along? How can we do something together? And I think it's it's very powerful, I imagine, to using your 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 strength and your um, what's the word you said? Uh, you know, you're very fortunate, but using that being fortuitous and, and using those connections for the greater good, um, which I think is, is really incredible that you you want to do that, actually, because many people could do that and they don't. No, um, I, I'm i going to comment on this, um, <laughs> that many people don't. They uh, Personally, I actually love it. It's the, my favourite thing about my life is mm. to be able to do this. And the other day I was actually, I turned off my Instagram and I, my head was all over the place. And I was mm-hmm. like, I need to stop for a, a year. And then I turned, <laughs> I looked at Twitter and I was like, I can't stop. I cannot, I cannot um, give up. I've mm-hmm. not given anything out. So why would I give up on this? Um, and 
is do you, do you just have to deal with like when you're you're an activist or you're you're passionate about something things do tend to like destroy your mind about them mm, and mm. and and this leads me on to i've asked other people very very powerful influential people could you do this mm. some of them say no and some of them um will come back and say i don't want to get involved other people say i agree with you but i can't get involved Others say I can't get involved because I know this person, like J.K. Rowling. Um, (laughs) And other people um, say for my mental health, I'm not in that place. And, and, you know, I I get very angry at some of them because they could do so much. Yes. Make a huge difference. And some of them, the ones that are scared, sometimes I think they're cowards. Um, I personally think that about them. And they're my friends. And I think, oh, you're a coward. Um, you could do better. You could actually make a difference in the world and you're not. You're just making millions of pounds instead. Um, and then there's others where I go, okay, well, um, I get that. I know that you can't deal with that right now. And I know that you, you know, may have issues that, you know. So I don't know. Um, it does make, they all make me angry at the beginning and then I have to like reason my mind to go, mm-hmm. okay, this mm-hmm. why. Maybe they'll help with um, <clears throat> dropping a uh, boulder in the ocean instead of like, you know, anti-LGBT stuff. So, yes. and it's, it's actually interesting. The, um, many of the LGBT celebrities will actually speak out. They didn't want to speak out on anti-trans stuff at the beginning, but more so now they're doing that. And this anti-trans situation is actually, it comes from a cult. Um, it comes from a, a group of um, feminists in the in San Francisco who joined with far right um, and religious groups who then joined with lesbians um, who didn't like trans people, and it became a thing there. And it came to the UK, and this is why. I mean, I, I was with fifty YouTubers yesterday, and one mm. of them said. I found out why. And I was like, and we had a great conversation of actually, I was giving him some breadcrumbs, like follow these. This is where you'll find the information. It comes from cult, like literally. Wow. So, um, the, and, and these people actually don't believe that other people are, are real. And for me, that's baffling, you know, to, to deny the existence of another human being is, is pretty, you're pretty far down the rabbit hole. Um, so, that's uh and 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 some people are really scared of talking about that because i know that the um the the people on the i guess there is a side here and and i try not to think about sides and you know but the, the most amount of harassment death threats um and abuse that i've had is actually from the anti trans groups and and actually wow. it's, and but i'm not scared you know, I'm actually, I'm not scared. I know um, that when when people react like that, it means because there's something powerful happening. Yes, which they can't control. Which they can't control. Um, and they're not control. They're not doing a very good job of it either because, you know, the conspiracy theories come into it and the misinformation comes into it. And if you look at like the WHO or the NHS or... Um, United Nations, um, trans people are real, <laughs> you yes, know, they're yes. around for thousands of years. And actually the, um, one of the, I've just put forward, um, TV show. I hope it happens. 
Um, so it's about LGBT people throughout history. And there are so many accounts of trans men and women and non-binary people and two-spirited people and um, the hijra and anyone else like throughout history. There's so many accounts of them through history. They're, they've always been there and they always will. They'll, they'll be there after we're all dead, you know? So um, this support an important thing for people to, to know that if you're trying to eradicate the existence of some human beings, that they will always be there after you're gone. And always um, have been. It's that's so yeah. interesting. That's so. In- Why do you think it's it's getting attention now? It's the UK media have blamed trans and non-binary people for every single big thing. Like there's there's so many headlines every day, anti-trans headlines. There's actually a count at the minute. There's like um someone giving all the information of here's more anti-trans news today. Um, and they're literally blaming trans people for, you know, the failure of our government in the UK. Um, <laughs> when, um, you know, my trans friends are scared of going outside. Um, they're scared of um, going even to their own spaces because they're, they're worried of the threat. Just living. They just want to live and mm-hmm. be them and live a happy life like everybody else. And and they're demonised, like how gay people were um, in in the eighties. You know, gay people were demonised like crazy, and and all this hate information misinformation has spread throughout the world. You know, if you're gonna, you know, I'm not even gonna say these things because they're, they're so insane. Um, but the same thing is happening to trans people right now, and and this is a fact. You know, and mm-hmm. and people an opinion but it's a bigoted opinion in my opinion (laughs) because it comes from hate and misinformation and if people were allowed to live and be who they wanted to be um i mean isn't that a great place for us to to go to yes for every for everybody i i think you know there's i think when you stand up for things you believe and you care about and your passions about and and I'm very fearless in that. But I, I, you know, I was listening. I agree with you. I don't understand why people in powerful positions aren't more vocal. And I don't know if it's because, you know, like you said, one, they're scared, or two, they're it's not authentic, or they're worried about their ego, or it's bad for business. Um, when you think you can just if one starts, then hope you'd think, well, can they not have a knock-on effect that others will step up and and say things? Well, I found this so many times with doing mission just reaching out to people to have to ask to help or to do something and either get complete silence or it's a no. And I think, why, why not? What's so difficult? Why can't you help? Why can't you say something? Yeah. To me, it's such an easy ask. Yeah. If someone really, really cared about something. Um, yeah. But then, you th- you know, we did, um, I did something a little bit naughty when um, we were going out with an issue. I sent emails out to loads of brands offering them um, like a free advert because I wanted them to support a, a particular issue we were putting out. And they put all these, the brands we were reaching out to had all put Instagram posts of what they stood up for and what they stood for. And I'm talking about like really the top luxury brands in the, in, in the famous fashion capitals. And I must have sent 20, 20 odd emails. Not one of them replied back to me. Wow. Not one. Not one. Um, and I, I thought about that when I hit send. I thought, mm, this is going to be such an inc- an interesting experiment, mm. whichever way it lands. Um, 
And, and I found it fascinating. I just thought, you know, I was with someone this morning talking about a lot of this because our next issue is going to be the gender issue. Yeah. Um, and we were talking about some of this stuff. And I just said, I think it's, you know, this whole greenwashing and um, it's really seen people for what they truly are and brands, what they truly are and want to get behind things that I don't think they really believe in. It's marketing as well. Yeah. It's, I mean, there's so much, there's so much of that. Like, you know, I'm, there's all, so much tokenism around pride as well. I get a call um, <clears throat> in May. Can you do this in June? <laughs> I'm like, pride is all year round. Exactly. Um, exactly. Um, and they should be putting up people throughout the whole year, not just at pride. Um, and, and, you know, including them as human beings rather than as a commodity for, you know, their magazine. Also, I wanted to point out that um, businesses, some billionaires actually realize that hiring LGBT people, um, LGBT people um, more uh, because they make more money because they're great problem solvers, because we have to navigate our lives with situations. We, mm. you know, we have to figure out how we're going to get out the front door without, you know, my neighbor, but this is my real life. Um, my neighbor kind of like cackling at me or saying something or, so that's the first problem of the day. Right. So then mm. when we go to work, we're, we're quite good at solving problems mm. and we make, um, a lot more money. So, um, all the clever people are hiring LGBT people, um, uh, to, to make money and, um, oh God. and actually giving them a, actually in a, in a, in a way, giving them a better life because, Lots of companies won't hire them and are scared, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, that's just some information for any of your listeners. Um, we, we make you more money. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think, listening to this, that this, this, because you're saying about your your art that you wear is is armor. Um, do you think that is tied in with this? Like having this, you're saying about, you know, having people that are, rude and abusive to you that you have this is your armor this is your protective yeah. force field that you you wear the whole time and it, and it feels safe yeah so imagine if you just close your eyes for a minute and you just kind of realize that your body is a canvas and you've got all this danger in the world which exists you know um mm. i don't want to be one of those people that make everything scary but and then you think well i could look like this today like i could look so fabulous and and then putting on all these moments of your life so i see all my garments they all have a bit of history to them or mm. um and then you build it up and then you make you express yourself like a, a, a your body's a canvas um you're adding textures um layers color you're sculpting or you're painting mm. it's the same thing and then you start on your face and then you literally um you know you you're ready for the day you're in armor, you're in the most beautiful armor. And you're like, if my neighbor's going to do something, fine, good. Mm. Seen something today, <laughs> you know, um, they're going to look at me anyway. So I may as well give them a reason. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and then they might feel inspired. Who knows, you know, and it's happened. Like my neighbors up the road, when they first saw me, they thought it was a bit weird. And then they saw me coming out in my outfits and now they asked to work for me. So, you know, it's kind of a, it's very interesting 
way of, of living. And, and when you do see someone dressed amazingly on the street, most of us, if we're not hateful, will go, oh, wow, they look cool. They look, mm, that, mm. this is nice. This is like, makes mm. me happy today. Um, and I've you'd be surprised. To, I've, I've, I've actually gone up to people and I've seen someone that I think is really cool or just even attractive. I'm like, you look brilliant. Yeah. It's made me smile. It's made me happy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I do that too. I give people compliments. I mean, some people get a bit like, ooh, but whatever. <laughs> um, that's that's their, their problem. And, you know, that's not my business. I've just said that they look good and that's it. That's all I wanted to do and whatever. But um, so it's it's kind of interesting um, how people then respond. So then I walk down the street. Usually I get in a car because I have to. Mm. Um, but if I'm going to take the tube, I go to the tube. Um, you know, French tourists are not very nice to me, I've realised, <laughs> um, in London. I don't know why, but it's always groups of French tourists that mm. start um, laughing at me, but whatever. Um, and then other people go, wow, and people that you just would not expect. And, and mm. that actually showed my bias. And also in my shows, you know, I have 50,000 people come through my exhibition, like in, Co in Coventry. Wow. Right? wow. <laughs> so in, that was the Coventry one. So you've got all these people coming through and some people are like, oh, I'm not sure if I want to go into that. Like, you know, it's not really my vibe, you know, Oh, my wife's dragged me here. Right. Things like that. And then they come out and some of them cry and some of them go, wow, I've never seen anything like that. And actually art is for everybody. And what I do is, is, is artwork, even though people sometimes say it's not, it's just dressing up, which I kind of welcome as well. You know, I'm dressing up anyway. Like it's a, you know, it's part of my vibe. Um, so they've got some of it right, but, um, but people just respond in the most amazing ways. And, and I learned that I was prejudiced towards a certain group of people, um, you know, um, mainly men who I thought would hate my work and actually, um, it, they don't, um, you know, certain types of men that I thought would not really get it or appreciate mm -hmm. it. And they sometimes appreciate it even more. And, and I learned a lot about myself doing that. And, and I say this um, prejudice, I don't really feel that, but I have reason because throughout my life, these types of people have beaten me up and spat on me and all mm. kinds of, so and it's past experience. It, yeah. It's, it's fascinating. Do you find a mental shift when you wake up in the morning you start to kind of get dressed and put your ass on do you mentally feel something changing you like the um, confidence and when you put it on it's yeah and i'm just going back to i've just started well not just started the last couple of years wearing red lipstick which i never thought i could but mm. i like it and i like how it makes me feel um yeah. and that's my baby steps of doing my extravagance um because most people you know, compared to your incredible work, we're boring what we put in. No. And we just, um, do you know what I mean though? It's, but it, it just, there's certain elements that do make you feel better mentally and, and give you confidence. And I just, I'm, I'm sure you have that when you're, when you're getting into your art, it's a different persona that you're taking on. Um, for, for me, it's not a persona, but I'm, the way I'm speaking to you now would be the exact same way I speak to you. Do you know, you're I... absolutely right. I was wrong to say that because I know no. you're like that. Yeah, but um, so for me, it's just sometimes I forget what I have on. I'm like, mm -hmm. literally go and I'm like, what the hell do I have on? <laughs> what are they looking at? You know, um, and I'm like, oh, sh have I got have I got one of my out like you know looks on, or am I? And I'm like, oh, okay, now I get it. Um, so it's 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 interesting. Um, I do start to maybe 
in one way, it's just become so normal to me. Mm. Um, in another way, and like if I don't have um, one or the other on, like an outfit, if I had no makeup on, for example, I'd be fine with that mm. because it would be a look. But usually I do my eyes and my lips and, and that's all I do. And I kind of do the same look all the time now. Um, they, I know that when my eyes are in that makeup and my lips are like that, I can use that <laughs> somehow, mm-hmm. you know, um, whether it be talking to someone or in a photograph or, um, and so I know that I have a tool there. And also I know that, I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to figure this out myself right now. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way, yes. And in a way, no. Um, but it, it helps, I guess. Because I'm, I'm very happy going out. My hair is down past my bum. Yes. Um, <laughs> and whether I have makeup on or not, people stare at me. And also, if I'm in a tracksuit, I look like Vicky Pollard. So, <laughs> so I can't escape. I find that very hard to believe. That's a visual. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so I just cannot escape. Whatever I'm in, um, I know someone's going to respond to it. And I wish they didn't. You know, one of the most amazing um, moments of my life was actually I was kind of learning my TED talk and I thought I had to go to Iceland to get some headspace. And I went up a volcano. And I sat on it and it started snowing and I was delivering my talk to the world. And it was the only place in the world that I had peace and quiet. Um, and this guy, and I've got a video of it. I was filming myself because I was, I had to kind of relearn my lines and make sure that I was doing a good job. Um, <clears throat> I was sitting in a giant like dome thing around my head with big feathers on with like <laughs> a crazy jacket, completely like, Imagine if an alien had dropped on a volcano. That's kind of what I look like. And this guy walks by. I see him coming from a distance and he did not acknowledge me in any form, not even a look, not even a, it was almost like I was a mirage. I didn't exist. And I've never felt as good in my life. And I was like, wow, thank you. Like, finally. It was this weird, surreal moment. I was like, Why do you say finally? Do you think like acceptance? It's, I'm just here. Just let me be, you know? Mm, mm. Um, And I got misquoted in a Guardian thing recently. It was like, I wish people would leave me alone. Um, I love people, but... Yeah, I saw that and I thought, that's not who I thought he is. And I'm sure he's not. Mm. It's not that way. It was obviously, it was like something that I said, but I was saying it in in a way that I was like, just let me be. Yes. Yes. I'm here. You don't have to do all these crazy things to me. And people do, you know. I just love to just sit here in a coffee shop and work or I'd love it to just do me and be okay. And and, and I don't mind if people want to talk to me, but some people do the craziest things. And, Mm. and and, you know, I've even had a stalker. I really shouldn't talk much about her, but... um, I had a stalker for three years and she, you know, I had to move house or pretend to move house first um, and leave the lights off because I was that scared. Oh my goodness. Um, But people just do the craziest things, you know? Um, Sometimes I, you know, I've had a fist in my eye. (laughs) Um, I've, I've been spat at, I've, you know, all these mad things happen. 
and I, I and I, it's really sad. Like I was it dating. Is sad. Someone. Yeah, I was dating someone, and they saw that side of me, and it was just. I was like, oh my god, wow, this is a lot for them to deal with. You know, it was kind mm-hmm. of a, a weird situation. I had to explain all this stuff to them, and they were, they were just. And this is what I'm saying. Just leave me alone. <laughs> yes. Yes. But I just, I find that I'm really sorry. That's, that's very sad to hear that because you're such a joy to look at. Um, and it's fascinating. I'd love to, I'd love to, uh, hopefully we'll meet more, but one time if you're, you know, wearing your art, I just love to stare at all the pieces and understand what the stories are be, behind them. And, you know, what that was and your ripped McQueen dress or this brooch that comes from an antiques place that was part of your grandparents. I don't know. I'd love to just you know, just sit and stare and appreciate and absorb all your creativity because we're very lucky to be able to, that's what we could look at. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah. it's your creations are wonderful, absolutely wonderful. And I, I, I can't, my, my head can't process how that can be um, abused and seen as a negative. Um, and that just, that's, that's sad because that just shows a lot of humans how they react to seeing something creative like that. They have this negative reaction, which I don't understand where that comes from. And that's obviously on them. Yeah, totally. Um, so I've experienced this since I was about 14 and I remember the first time I ever really experienced it was this, um, older man in Coventry. I was getting on a bus, I think from, I was like going to school or something or coming from school or I'd gone into the city after school. And he was like, go on, young lady, get on the bus. Like you go first. And I was like, thank you. And he just went, Oh, you know, and then he was horrible to me. And I was like, Oh my God. And then, um, and, uh, actually really funny story. I put a purple wig on when I was a kid (laughs) and had this beautiful dog called honey and honey never barked ever never i never heard the dog bark even after that and i put the wig on and the dog went crazy at me and i think that was my first experience of prejudice so she really <laughs> that. um <laughs> and uh you know kind of after that i would start wearing a bit of makeup and start wearing you know like ripped jeans or flares or tie dye you know back then there was a whole goth scene happening in Coventry City. And I would wear a bit of makeup. I'd wear my mum's orange Elizabeth art of makeup. And I'd go to Birmingham and I'd get so much trouble in, like so much, I don't know, unnecessary, horrible, tr- it was very different back then. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm so happy that the young people today can actually at least walk around without as much hatred. Although I hear that um, things since Brexit have got a lot worse here. So... Uh, but back then it was a different time and the police wouldn't do anything. Um, and they would just kind of ignore us and it wasn't, it wasn't a good time. Um, so I realized over the years, all these people, every single one of them that has harassed me or abused me or beaten me up, or I've realized that they're really unhappy people. Mm. I've realized that they probably didn't like themselves. And that's probably maybe not their fault. It's maybe society's fault. And they all seem traumatized. And Mm -hmm. I feel sorry for them in a way. 
and also uh, another thing is that many of them were maybe, you know, I've had guys be horrible to me in bars and they're the ones that ask me to go home with them at night, mm. you know? So it's, it says a lot and, and usually homophobes are gay. Yes. <laughs> or, yes. No? And, and they, they can't face it. And I've, I've really actually kind of discovered this over the years. I know someone um, who was so horrible to me in, in Soho and he was always there. And I was like, why is he here? Like, why is he here if he's a homophobe? And now he's out and he's got a boyfriend and he apologized to me. And, um, oh my goodness. Wow. You know, and, and like, it's kind of, it's, it's quite interesting. So, you know, maybe, maybe if you're listening to this and you're a homophobe, maybe you need to look into yourself and accept yourself. <laughs> I don't know. Um, this is where a lot of it comes from. Also, that's not the only case, but it's um, misinformation. And, yes. you know, a lot of religions don't like our existence, which is kind of cruel. Um, and, and, and I just feel that people are brainwashed with hatred and, and they've been raised with hatred. And I feel really sorry for them. So, and, they and they don't want to. I think most people are not open to change or open to listen. Yeah, yeah. They're not. Because, do you know what? I, I don't like saying this and everyone tells me off for saying it, but I think some people are just stupid. Um, <laughs> but they, a lot of people are like sheep. They'll just follow one thing and believe one thing and think, well, that's, that's so many people have said that, or that's in a newspaper. Well, then yeah. that must be, that must be fact. And don't yeah. do their homework and, and educate themselves on things, which um, I think a lot of situation could, things could be avoided uh -huh. if people, bothered to look into things a lot more yeah. um yeah. it's would you ever do you ever feel i mean you're you're quite political in in a lot of things is there ever do you think i'd love to get more into the political side of things um okay so i did like this diagram thing yesterday where you kind of have to fill in the boxes of what the world needs best attributes about you and there was another box and and I, I kept going back to politics and uh, and for a few years I've been thinking politics would be really good. I think it'd um, be excellent. Uh, but then a lot comes with that, you know, like the yes, way the media, yes. my, I would, my family, I mean, they've done nothing. My family are amazing. Um, but I would just be like, imagine if they were just going into like my background it was nothing in my background really that can kind of damage me, you know, from family wise or anything. But I would just hate that if something ever happened and, and they would have to, they, they were the targets. I, I would mm -hmm. feel so bad. Um, and I know that happens a lot, but, um, that, you know, I, I spoke to them about it and they also thought maybe I should do something, but let's see. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Well, I'm I think, you know, Izzard gets in and, yes. um, and I'm going to watch what happens there because, you know, it's the same, same kind of, I just want to see what's happening. But I know in Brazil, they've just, um, uh, elected in two trans people, which is amazing. So when oppression is fighting, like what's happening in the UK right now, they've just announced that they want to come out of the European, um, human rights courts like they want to kind of take get away from that that's very scary to me that mm -hmm. is the scariest thing that i can actually think of because this government um do not 
actually care about the people. Like they don't care. They stop just protesting, which is a human right. So mm-hmm. imagine what else they're going to do. And so when, when, you know, it doesn't matter how conservative, left or right wing you are, whatever is going to come up in the future, you will be gagged and not be able to say anything. And that is the actual, that's already happened. So, you know, um, imagine if things get worse. We're going to be like Russia or North Korea. And that's the oh way goodness, we're going. It's frightening. The whole world is very frightening right now. Yeah. And it happens very slowly. And this is what happened with, um, you know, in Germany um, with with that party, which I don't like to even... Um, and and this is what happens in, in many of these countries. Like um, fascism takes over, but it's very, very subtle. And, you know, for example, they'll use like anti-trans situations to kind of get everyone angry and then they'll put something in and no one will notice it because they're all talking about you know how people are, are bad for existing and all of a sudden you you have your protest taken and then you'll have your freedom of speech taken mm-hmm. everything else taken and that's and that's what happens and if you look back through history it has happened and it will happen again all over and i think it's happening in the uk right now well, I hope to, I'd like to think that the younger generation that are, are very vocal and very active um, will protest and not stand for this, you know, I, for things. I think, I, like you said earlier, I feel hopeful of this as well. Yeah. I hope they vote. All the young people I'm talking That's to. all they need to do in every country, just vote. I mean, that's, I remember when I was when in New York, the office in New York, and we were watching the elections of the night Hillary Clinton and Trump. Yeah. And I was saying to the guys, I bet he's going to get in. And I and I couldn't vote at the time. I wasn't a citizen. I said, I can't vote. And I think there were seven of them um, and they said that were working with me at the time. And they were they all stayed throughout the evening. None of them had voted. None of them had voted. And and they were sitting there going, Oh my God, I can't believe it. I said, Well, shame on you. You could have had a voice. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can't complain if you haven't voted, really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's very sad. All the young people are not voting. I'm like, have you ever voted? And they're like, no. And I'm like, oh my God, like just vote, you know, like you're so, they're so on it. So we need somehow to get the younger generations to understand how powerful they are. I was going to say that's more powerful, putting your name on a ballot sheet than protesting and doing school strikes Friday. Yeah. The most powerful action you can do. Yeah. Show how powerful you are and vote. You know, that's, I mean, it's daunting, the idea of voting. You have to fill in a form, you know. I did not vote for many years. I didn't know how to. Um, And I know that sounds really stupid, but we didn't have the internet back then. We didn't really, you know, I wasn't really sure how to do it. And then when I figured it out, I was, I've voted ever since. So it's, it's, um, it's so powerful. Yes. Yeah, no, it really is. Um, what what are you up to at the moment? What's what's your next big things you're working on? Are you allowed to? Thank you. Um, well, I'm making new artworks to sell, and here's the thing: I've never sold my artwork before. Oh wow! And I'm very lucky. I've gone from living in it to the streets to going to museums and my work's only shown in museums so I'm very very lucky but I miss the art gallery 
bit, mm. <laughs> bit mm. in between, whichever it else has to go through. And intentionally, I did it on purpose. And I thought, will I be able to actually do it? And I did it. It, it was one of my visions, like to go, I want to bypass all the art galleries and actually go to the museum somehow. I wonder if it's possible. And I made it happen. For me, you made it at the Victorian Albert Museum. Let's just say not just any little <laughs> pokey museum, but one of the biggest British institutes. It's actually I was going to say you did. Um, I was actually that was one of my questions. I was curious. Has anyone else worn your pieces apart from National Opera and yourself? Um, well, when I had the fashion label, lots of people wore the. Mm-hmm. the we made couture, but it wasn't. They weren't actually my. Um, my artworks you know um mm. so <clears throat> those pieces like the stuff mariah carey wore Nicki minaj azealia banks naomi campbell cara Delevingne, all these people um they are in my new artworks like what i've worn so they've worn them i've worn them and then now sculptures so in theory yes um but no one's actually worn the artworks so yeah it kind of it doesn't i've tried it does doesn't really work it's kind of weird. <laughs> no, I think the art, though, it's it's. Bjork could pull it off. Um, I think Bjork could pull it off. Yes. Um, you know, and and she's my friend, and I've always wanted to work with her. I don't know if it's ever going to happen, but I would love to just create on her. She's so wonderful. Um, and someone like Naomi or Kristen McMenemy or Dita Von. Yes. Actually, Dita Von Tees asked me, and we still haven't got round to it. So. She's someone that I could, you know, work on and I, I would love, actually, it's, it's a good, I should start thinking about that, you know, making images with them. Um, but for me, I'm making new artworks, which I'm going to sell. And uh, it's been very, it's probably the hardest thing I've done for a while because I don't know, like, I hate the art, commercial art world. Mm. Um and it's a bit scary to me, but I've been offered like from one of the best galleries in the world. They've said, you know, we would like to work with you. So I'm, I'm kind of brainstorming right now. And, and that's what I'm really working on. And I want to make meaningful things, things that mm. actually people, people, things that people would be interested in that look amazing. So um, will you find it hard to let go of the pieces? Cause they're so personal. Well, all the big sculptures, all my artwork. So the, the new ones I'm making are small versions. Um, all the big ones um, will remain in a collection forever. And when I die, they will be left to an institution. So um, they have to remain together. And, and for me, I've worn them. I've had my day in them. And now they belong to the public and people get a lot from them. So mm. I don't want them to end up in people's living rooms, you know, which they would. And I've been offered... No. I've been offered the craziest amounts of money for them. And I've just said no. And um, it's, it's not what I made them for. It's not, it's not their purpose, you know. They're, they're for people and they're for thousands of people rather than just one very rich person who has a, you know, fabulous house. Yeah, that just seems so wrong, doesn't yeah. it? It's like, it's like someone, here's the Mona Lisa. You can have it in your house in in a castle somewhere and no one else gets to look at it exactly so that's i i always say no do you find do you find you i mean how do you, your work is quite solitary really doing um your art and your creations do you like that 
yeah, I guess. Like, okay. <laughs> you get in the zone with it all. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Sometimes, you know, most of my works, the, the actual sculptures have been made in the museum. So everyone's like, where's your studio? And I'm like, it's in my head. Um, <laughs> it's wow. literally in my head. It's where, wherever I am is, is my studio, you know. Um, but all my works have been made in different museums around the world. So um, that's where I've constructed them for certain shows. And, and, and that's, that, that's the best place to work, actually, in a museum. Um, but I do sometimes, well, for the past 20 years, I have sat at home many nights not sleeping. And like, you know, last night I, I was late for this um, podcast today. So I was working last night and I just couldn't sleep. So I just started stoning some things. And, and I, you know, I've got thousands and thousands of broken pieces of jewelry. Um, many of them have been donated to me, but many of them are just from old pieces that I've worn. You know, and when they fall apart, I reuse them. And I, mm. I'm a, a big advocate of reusing everything you have. Save it and reuse it. Um, you never know, like, what, you know, get a bit of glue and stick a pin yes. on it. And yes. it broke, you know, um, so make your own brooches. Like, it's, it's so much fun. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, I do actually spend thousands of hours doing that stuff. So no one ever sees me do it, though. It's quite therapeutic. I went to art school and I used to love doing stuff in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. It's quite therapeutic. Yeah. I don't think anyone's ever really seen me work. <laughs> so, and then people go, what do you do? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a documentary in there somewhere, Daniel. Maybe, maybe. Um, my, I did let my niece um, film me throughout my exhibition in Coventry behind the scenes and everything, but she never actually got me um, working, working. What is, um, have you put that, is, is anyone going to be able to see that, what she's done? Um, I think there's a lot more to go. Um, mm. And I think it would be, uh, is, I've always wanted, because what happens in these shows, like there's so, if I, you know, if I wasn't, I always, what I try and do is take myself out of my world. And I think about what's happening and I see it as um, someone else because I have to. Because if I think about it, it's me, I'm going to start, you know, putting a, a blanket over my head and like <laughs> run into the corner and like, oh my God, this is happening. So um, I always have to see um, myself as the artwork from another point of view. And I'm very good at taking myself. So, so I'm good at taking myself out of my own world, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I think it's, and I think for me, that's how I managed to get by because I think, um, <sighs> my ego would take over or something um, otherwise and or I would just like run and hide and, and and what people really don't understand about me is that I'm wearing all this armor but you can't really see me mm. <laughs> you can see parts of me you can see my hands and my face um and or sometimes you can't and f- for me that's all I really want to give because I, I like, I really want a personal life and, and it's yes, very hard yes. to be a public, to live your life in public. And, um, you know, so it's, it's, I'm, it's kind of like an ostrich, uh, you know, mm-hmm. it runs these danger and it puts its head in the ground and it's got all these beautiful big plumes and it thinks no one can see it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm, in a way I'm, I'm, I'm hiding, but I'm not. I'm always there. I'm always present. 
and I'm always trying to be my best version, you know. But you're allowing people to see come into your life however much you want, you allow that to. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a great way to be, to have boundaries that you're, you're comfortable with. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a protection, isn't it? It's like a, a full yeah. shield around you to protect you. Yeah. It's, it's quite funny. Um, my friends, it's kind of like I'm talking about someone else, but, um, my friends, if you were to ask them about me, everything that you've read online, everything you've seen online, they will tell you something completely different. And, um, you know, everyone thinks I'm really funny, but I, you know, when I'm, but that's when I'm just at home, just being stupid. And, and mm. I love being stupid sometimes. And I love having that part of my life that no one really sees. Like just being a, like a goof, you know, like <laughs> that's, mm. uh, that's kind of how I am when I'm at home or with, with my close friends. So it's kind of a, it's nice to have that bit of, it's like a holiday. You yeah, know. but I think it's important to have that separation, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, Daniel, thank you so much. Um, this has been really, really fascinating. And um, I'd love to, I say this with a lot of the guests, I'd love to revisit this and talk to you further, maybe, you know, in a couple of months' time, perhaps, and yeah, see what else, that. and just have it as an ongoing conversation. Because I think we've just, I find it, there's so much that we've discussed that really is quite psychological that you start to think about people's. Um, uh, uh, psyche and and people's minds and how that affects us in our day to day lives and has affected you. So, I love discussing that with you. And um, and I want you know there was more questions I wanted to ask, but I'm going to save that for round two. Okay, cool. This hasn't gone the way I thought it would go, and I've been really <laughs> kind of like what you've just said. So I would I would love to do that. tuning in and listening to Daniel's episode with me. Our next guest is the co-founder of one of many organisations such as 501c3, a non-profit working around some of life's challenges such as water, health and shelter. He's also the co-founder of Just Water, part of Just, a company that's all about positive social impact. He's a creative director on many organisations too, one being for MIT in Cambridge and a creative advisor to MIT Plasma Science and Nuclear Fusion Centre. What does that mean? My goodness. Along with his philanthropic and SEG work, his work has led him to work with Calvin Harris, Queen Latifah, Lionel Richie, Sony Pictures, Columbia Records. His about page is really endless and so impressive. Apart from the fact he's also a painter and into hip hop, two things I have always loved, as anyone who knows me well can attest to. It's his passion to bring clean drinking water to the underprivileged, whilst bringing sustainable awareness to energy and food. That is the main focus of this conversation. Please do come back and listen to our brilliant and clever next guest, Drew Fitzgerald. Thank you for listening.